You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. I don't know how to describe this other than to say that this week, Canada's reckoning with its racist history was interrupted by its racist present. Good evening. We begin in London, Ontario tonight, where a memorial grows for a Muslim family struck and killed in what police say was a targeted crime motivated by hate. A lone male driver struck a family of five who were out for a walk on Sunday evening. Four were killed, the only survivor, a nine-year-old boy. The murders in London, Ontario are shocking, but not surprising. This isn't the kind of thing that just doesn't happen in Canada. This isn't unthinkable. It happened in Quebec City in 2017. It happened outside a Toronto mosque last summer. It'll happen again, and some less deadly version of it is probably happening in Canada as you're listening to this. And it'll happen tomorrow, unless a whole country stops it. I was speaking with my Muslim neighbor on Wednesday night. I just want to share one thing that she said. We were talking about racist Canadians who take out their hatred on members of her community, on families like hers. And she said, we can make them change their minds. And that broke my heart because that is not her job. That is my job and your job and the job of every white Canadian who cares that some of their neighbors exist in this country afraid for themselves and their families and yet still feel that somehow making the worst examples of Canadians not kill them is their responsibility. There are signs, too small so far to say that they are meaningful, that some of our fellow Canadians have realized this, finally. A statement from a former Conservative candidate in London about accepting racist support in the past. A call from a prominent federal conservative for her own party to do better, to take action with more than words and thoughts and prayers. Small signs, so far. So I usually end these intros with a bunch of questions. Today I only have one. We gonna finally do this or not? Nothing else matters. Jordan Heath-Rawlings, this is The Big Story. Fatima Syed is an occasional guest host of this podcast. She's an excellent journalist. She hosts another political podcast called The Backbench herself. She's also our friend and a Muslim Canadian. Hey, Fatima. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Are you okay? I just am this week. I am... Mm-hmm. It's a gamut of emotions, um, but I'm standing somehow and or sitting and talking to you right now. And I sincerely uh, appreciate it. I know our listeners do too. Were you um, at the vigil in London on Tuesday night? I was. I am reporting for, I'm a freelance reporter, so I'm, I'm working with The Guardian on, on coverage of this. And I felt like I needed to be there both as a person and as a journalist I don't usually go to vigils, Jordan. I don't know if you've ever been to many vigils, but I don't like going to vigils mm-hmm. because it's very emotional. It's very heavy. Um, and, and and I like to mourn and, and, and grieve in private. But it's 
It can also be very political sometimes, depending on what kind of vigil you're going to. And this one was very political. All eight politicians, so four of the federal leaders and four of the Ontario leaders were there. You know, I I turned to a friend who went with me and I said, it almost feels like an election stop. Huh. Which, of course, it could be because, it you know, this could be an election year. But the fact that all eight politicians were there and they were all, you know, using similar language, denouncing the attack on this family and denouncing terrorism and denouncing hate and Islamophobia. And they're all saying, you know, making they were all making promises to end it all, to end hate and end these these forces that are killing Canadians and, and hurting Canadians. And it was just it was very jarring to be at a vigil to honor these four lives and then have politicians one after the other say the same rhetoric and then watch Aaron O'Toole get booed and then Doug Ford get booed. Doug Ford to say a few words. Well, good evening, everyone. And it was is a very jarring experience to be quite honest with you because um it was the most political vigil i've been to don't get me wrong it was very moving as well um you know the moment of silence at the exact time that the family was killed on sunday evening when they were out for their walk was incredibly moving the fact that there were children you know drawing bright colored hearts on the road which the family walked every day every evening together to represent what's what one one woman described to me as a pathway of love, you know the T-shirts, the signage, the fact that it was genuinely a mixed crowd. Like hmm. you know, it wasn't just a Muslim crowd. There were so many white people there. There were you know Sikh people there who were handing out water bottles because it was a very hot and humid day there were a few people who fainted because it was genuinely we were we were drenched in sweat uh, after being out there for so long it was a genuinely canadian crowd and i hope people know what i mean by that like it was people of all race color kind people dressed in their traditional clothing to represent how the uh women of the family that was killed were dressed in their traditional clothing when they were out in their walk you know people with flags the metis nation flag was flying high above this crowd they were there in solidarity to condemn the forces that killed this family and the forces of islamophobia and hate widely it was genuinely a canadian crowd and then it was dichotomized by all the politicians walking up on stage. Let me ask you about a couple of those politicians because you mentioned it and because it's going to sound like a rhetorical question, but it's not and and we need some context. So, you know, why were Aaron O'Toole and Doug Ford booed and the other politicians weren't? Because we got to talk about this. Yeah, so one of the things we don't talk about in this country is how do we actually curb hate and Islamophobia? You know, there's a lot of platitudes, a lot of words, a lot of promises, but we don't actually talk about the actions that have been taken. And quite frankly, Jordan, 
since the Quebec mass shooting four years ago, there has been very little action. Mm-hmm. You know, someone said to me the other day that, you know, when Quebec happened, there were the same rhetoric was spoken by a lot of the same leaders, you know, promising this would never happen again, promising these forces would never hurt a Canadian again. And then, you know, a little while later, you saw the passage of Bill 21, which in Quebec would prohibit, you know, public servants, police officers, judges, teachers from wearing religious symbols. And there's a concern that it would discriminate Muslim women specifically because they wear the hijab. Mm -hmm. So we've seen this playbook again. And I think the reason why Aaron O'Toole and Doug Ford were booed at the vigil on Tuesday night is because their track record isn't great. You know, Aaron O'Toole voted against the motion 103 in parliament a few years ago, which is a non-biding piece of legislation that merely asked federal parliamentarians to condemn Islamophobia and all racist acts. He voted against it. So for him to stand up and then say today or this week that, you know, I condemn terrorism, I condemn Islamophobia and hate, I think people are skeptical. And I think it's fair for for them to be. And it's the same with Doug Ford. We've seen in the past that he has associated himself with people and organizations that are known to spread hate and hateful rhetoric and Islamophobia. There, there's that infamous picture of him with Faith Goldie, who is a known white supremacist, who has said many, many awful things about the Muslim community. And he has never apologized for his association with Faith Goldie or distanced himself from her when he was asked to. And and you saw that at the vigil, you know, when Doug Ford climbed on stage, it was a huge, uproarious boo, louder even than Aaron O'Toole's boo. And, you know, I think he was a little frazzled by it. And, well, and as he was talking, mind. you could hear him trying to find the right words. And he ended up saying that this was terrorism, which he, he had been hesitating to do. This was mass murder. It was a hate crime. It was an act. It was an act of terrorism against a family targeted for their beliefs and for their religion. And he ended up saying it. And and I, I kind of think that it was because of the reaction the crowd gave him. So our policymakers and politicians have to realize that Yes, there is deep sadness and distress after what happened in London, Ontario this week, but there is also deep anger that this could have all been avoided if four years ago when the Quebec mass shooting happened, or even before that when we were talking about Stephen Harper's niqab ban or the barbaric cultural you know, hotline, which right. you know was set up to snitch on your Muslim neighbors. If you thought someone was a terrorist, you could call this hotline. Um, even before that, if we, if policymakers and politicians had stopped it then, had condemned it then when it was rearing its ugly head, there is a history of white supremacy, of Islamophobia and hate in Canada that we refuse to acknowledge time and time again. And when it kills, we acknowledge it and we say, oh my goodness, this is so bad. 
this should never happen again. But then when it comes to actually acting upon the words, we don't do enough and we don't hold them to account. And that's why you saw, if you were watching CBC on Tuesday night, you saw Janela Massa, mm-hmm. Canada's you know first hijab-wearing anchor, hold Aaron O'Toole to account, hold politicians to account for their voting record. The leaders, um, it's difficult to hear someone like Aaron O'Toole say that Islamophobia has no place in this country when he voted against M103. And I might get in trouble for, you know, speaking about politics, but, uh, you know, I, I can't remove my identity. There's people, as you say, who think I shouldn't have this job because of the way that I've chosen to dress. And there are people in this country who can't have the job that they want to have as a teacher or as a police officer or as a judge if they choose to dress this way because our legislation in certain provinces don't allow them to. So, And it was yeah, such a moment because I've never seen that. I've never seen that done on primetime. And I've never seen a journalist do that so blatantly. And, and you know, we as a media institution need to figure out how to do more of that for sure. But that's what people are feeling. Every conversation I've had, Jordan, it's, you know, yes, they'll talk about the family. They'll tell you how great they were. But more than that, they will say, enough is enough. Our hearts cannot take another Quebec mosque shooting. Our hearts cannot take another woman in Alberta's hijab being ripped off her head. Our hearts cannot take another Avzal family being destroyed. Something needs to be done. I think people don't believe a politician when they say, we condemn this. This will never happen again. I don't think people believe it when Justin Trudeau says it. I don't think people believe it when Aaron O'Toole says it. I don't think people believe it when Doug Ford says it because their track record shows that if they really cared, they would have done something about it already. And yes, I know I'm being generalized in my comments and very broad and, you know, a a listener could nitpick and say, okay, yeah, but there have been some policies. Proud Boys was designated as a you know, terrorist entity. Proud Boys was around in Canada before Trump was elected. Right. Like white supremacy was in Canada long before those forces made its way from the United States around the world through Donald Trump. It's been here. It's been on our soil forever. And we have done nothing to curb it. And we have lost too many lives because of it. And I am... As a, as a reporter, I'm exhausted from writing the same stories over and again. As a person, it mm-hmm. it just, it hurts me deeply. Like, it's been, if anything, Quebec, the Quebec mass shooting, which happened before Christchurch, which influenced Christchurch, should have been the moment we changed our ways, the moment parliament and policymakers and politicians just you know, got their act together and came together and said, what do we do? How do we figure this out? And they didn't. What could they have done right then? They could have done what they're talking about now. They could have set up online hate legislation. They could have started doing outreach. They should have started combating misinformation, figuring out how are we educating our people. The guy who killed the Upsell family in London, Ontario, was 20 years old. Yeah. That is incredibly young. We have to talk about what we're teaching our kids. We have to talk about what we're teaching our immigrants. The test to be a Canadian doesn't include any of this history. 
It doesn't include our complicated history. We have to talk about how are we helping neighbors get to know each other? How are we building communities? How are we bringing people together? We have to have not just have these conversations, we have to then turn them into action, and we're not doing any of that. Beyond the politicians, um, and we can harp um, on every level of government that's failed on this for however long, um, and we probably should, but but in the interests of being uh, proactive and, and making something happen, how much of this is also on Canadians as a people. And I mean, you didn't hear the intro to this show, but um, we are neighbors with a Muslim family here. And I was talking uh, to the mother last night and she said one thing when we were talking about people uh, like this killer. And she said, we can make them change their minds. And it was just really stunning and heartbreaking for me that she has to feel that way because I feel like if there's any way out of this, it has to be people like me who live next door and can change the minds of a 20-year-old kid who's not going to listen to my Muslim neighbor. And I, I want to know what Canadians are supposed to do to take action since our governments are clearly not or at least are just promising. The hardest thing for any one person to do is look in the mirror and find your own flaws. Right. That's why Canada as a country hasn't or refuses to acknowledge that it has a deep problem with hate. And I think as as metaphorical and naive as that sounds, I think that's the start. There have been a lot of moving moments in the past few days, but one of the most moving things I read was a Facebook post by Jeff Bennett. Oh, yes. He is a London resident. He's been there since uh, 1997. And he ran for the Ontario Progressive Party back in 2014. Um, he didn't win, but he ran. He wrote this Facebook post, which talked about how his friend, um, a brown Muslim man who ran the year before him, faced a lot of hate when he was campaigning door to door. You know, people would shut the slam the door in his face and and so forth. But more than that, when Jeff Bennett would go door to door, he would receive comments like, oh, we're so glad it's someone like you who's running. Hmm. Now, that statement in itself can be easily dismissed. But when you think about it for a second, it's rooted in othering, right? It's rooted in the fact that I know like because you look the way that you do, because you're a white man, I know exactly the kind of person you are. So I'm comfortable talking to you and I'm comfortable potentially giving you my vote. But if his brown Muslim friend came on the door, they would dismiss him for the same reason. So Jeff Bennett, after hearing about the deaths of the Afzal family and, and then visiting the memorial at the site of the attack, he sat down and he wrote this post that was penned as an apology to his friend that he didn't do more at that time, that he didn't stop those comments instead of dismiss them, that he didn't do more to educate those people or, or have that conversation with them. And the line that struck me the most is he said that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing that while the attacker may have been in his truck alone that night, he wasn't. 
because he was raised in a racist city that pretends it isn't. Those are Jeff Bennett's words. And that line really struck me, and I think it struck a lot of people after I shared it, because that line could apply to every single city in Canada or even North America. And when I spoke to him uh, an hour after you know, I shared the post, he told me, I, did, I wrote this because I felt deeply, deeply guilty. Because I've been to parties. I, I grew up in rural Ontario. I don't exactly have Muslim friends. But I've heard those comments. And, you know, you joke about it and say, oh, my grandfather's slightly racist. It's fine. It's just his, you know, identity or whatever. But it's not fine because those little things add up. And then they lead to something like what happened to London. So I think we have to look in the mirror. And I think we have to ask ourselves, how do we actually treat a Black person who walks by us? How do we actually treat a Muslim woman in a hijab when she's standing next to us in the subway, when we're on the subway again? How do we actually, you know, how do we actually feel when we walk past a mosque, Mm. you know, or a temple? or see a Sikh man at the airport. I think we have to ask ourselves as individual Canadians those difficult questions. And then we also have to ask ourselves that as politicians and journalists and lawyers and teachers. What are we actually doing to teach everyone, to educate our colleagues, our employees, our, our kids about our neighbors? Like, are we actually, you know, telling them what it's like for everyone are we actually you know building bridges as opposed to creating strengthening our bubbles it's easy for us to say that canada is the greatest multicultural country in the world it's harder to actually practice that idea and in my opinion and i'm just one muslim canadian woman i don't think we've ever practiced that i think we've said it out loud to the world and we celebrated it, but when it comes to actually practicing what we preach, I don't think we've actually done it at all. I want to ask you um, about if if we are in the process of looking in the mirror and, and if that's actually changing, you know, because it's been a couple of weeks here of really hard conversations, first around a mass grave at the site of a residential school and now this terror attack. And And what I've seen is is a lot more of people calling out the folks that say, you know, this isn't who we are or this isn't Canada or these kind of things don't happen here and saying like, I mean, are you paying attention? It clearly is this kind of place. And I wonder if that's indicative of a shift or if that's hopeful thinking on my part. The fact that everything is coming to head is extremely heavy and bearing a huge burden on racialized Canadians. But I think it also shows the extent of the problem. And and I think that's the twisted silver lining of all of this. You know, last week we were mourning and grappling, and we still are, about the discovery of a gravesite with 215 Indigenous kids. Then over the weekend, you know, we saw the fall of Egerton Ryerson, his statue at the university in Toronto, And then on Monday, you know, I was watching the arrest of Brayden Bush, the guy who, you know, threw something at an Indigenous woman. And then a few hours later, I was looking at London. I don't know how anyone can 
see all these headlines, read all this news, watch this all unfold, and then say Canada is a great multicultural country, right? Like the evidence is right in front of you. If you opened a paper or a website or however you can consume the news and, and searched up Canada, the stories are not really portraying us as a country in its best light. And that's maybe because we're not a great country. And that's something to think about. You know, I feel like I have a lot of international friends, for lack of better words, because I grew up uh, in many different countries. And, uh, you know, when they hear about Canada, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a great country. You guys are like, you know, super nice and polite. And right. uh, you've got like healthcare and whatever else. But the story of this London family has gone around the world. The story of the 215 kids went around the world. And there is a deep scar in this country that we keep just putting band-aids on in hopes that no one will notice. But it's beyond hiding now. It's too deep. It hurts too much. There have been too many tears. There have been too many deaths. And... I I don't know how to grapple with it all. Like I've that's all I've been thinking about for the past few days and I don't know why it doesn't bear a heavier weight on our policymakers to be quite honest with you Jordan because I was at the vigil and people were just hugging and holding hands and trying to get through it, you know? I'm I'm I've I've tried very hard to keep it together all week and broke down this morning i i don't know why i'm feeling the burden of this i don't know why someone like janelle Mesa is going on national tv and bearing the burden of saying the thing that everyone should be saying you know i don't know why it's me calling out stephen harper on twitter and saying hey your track record doesn't exactly match the sentiment that you're conveying i i don't know why it's on us i and i wish it wasn't because this is un bearable it, it truly is and yeah i don't know if any if any canadian policymaker or politician is listening like just just do something <clears throat> it's not that hard it really isn't the roadmap is laid out you know exactly what you have to do everyone does you just have to be kind to your neighbors you just have to get to know them you have to understand your community you have to create online hate legislation. You have to do what you're doing with COVID. You have to stop hate where it starts. And you know where it starts. I, I don't know what else I can say to get through to them. What does Canada's Muslim community need right now? Not from politicians because y you've already articulated that very well. What do they need from their fellow Canadians right now? And are they getting it? I think they've gotten a lot of solidarity and support. As I said, the vigil was... A genuinely mixed crowd and that was an incredible sight to see but i think solidarity can only go so far you know if it appears in the worst of times mm -hmm. i think for all of us to reach our best of times we have to call we have to all call it out and more than calling it out we have to demand change you can ask anyone and they will give you a list we need online hate legislation we need stronger and more educated and more diverse law enforcement we need better judicial systems that can actually process hate crimes 
And we need to believe that when someone comes forward and says, I was a victim of hate, we need to believe them. Because no one says that lightly. And saying that requires a lot of courage. Whether it's a police officer, a lawyer, a teacher, um, a neighbor, if someone comes up to you and says, I was just attacked by that person, I think it was racist, believe them. Because that is not an easy thing to say. You know, I do this thing and, you know, my friends yell at me all this time for doing it. I always share the worst comments I receive yeah. on Twitter publicly. And I know Twitter is a bubble, but it, it's my way of saying that this is more regular than you think. And for the longest time, we've been dealing with it individually on our own because we're scared that there's no support out there in the institutions that are meant to protect us. So let's strengthen them. Like I said, it's all there. The The plan, what to do, everything has been, people have been yelling it for years. It's just no one's been listening. This is the last thing I'm going to ask you. And sadly, I asked the same thing to our guest on Tuesday when we talked about residential schools. Um, I think it's fair to say that there has been shock and anger and uh, a desire to do better by a lot of Canadians over the past few days. Um, my question is, are you, is, are you hopeful about that? Because it must be so easy to be cynical after this stuff, like after, after 2017 and the mosque in Quebec City, after a, you know, a murder uh, in Toronto last year uh, of a Muslim man outside of a, of a mosque. It must be so easy to think that we are going through the same news cycle. Um, how will you know when we're not, I guess, is the best question. When it stops happening. Just needs to stop happening. When it stops happening, when there's no more... When the people who are tracking all of this don't have to track it anymore, when the people who are fearful of leaving their house in wearing what they want to wear aren't fearful anymore when my mom feels comfortable going for a walk again. You'll know. It just stops. You'll know that a community really cares about each other when no one feels unsafe. And right now there's a lot of people who feel unsafe. And no one is doing anything. People are saying a lot of things, but no one's doing anything to make them feel safe again. So... When it stops, we'll be in a better place. Fatima, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for all your work on this. And uh, and I hope you're okay and you know that uh, all of us here are thinking of you. Thanks, Jordan. I want to encourage um, listeners to donate to the Ofzel families, um, to fundraisers, and um, to check in on your, your Muslim friends and neighbors and your Indigenous friends and neighbors and... Yeah, just take care of each other. If you guys are looking for those GoFundMes, we will post them on our social media right below uh, this episode. So if, if you want to help, start there. Thanks, Fatma. Thanks, Jordan. Fatma Syed, who we thank sincerely for taking the time in the middle of this. That was The Big Story. For more from us, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. Email us, thebigstorypodcast at rci.rogers.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs>